Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and the Moon podcast. And as always, I'm your host, David, and I'm very excited to be back with everyone after a short little break. It's nice to be back in the swing of things. And really quickly, before we get into this week's episode, I want to just make an announcement really quick. So um, you can now follow Magic and the Moon on Instagram. I will leave a link to the Instagram accounts in this episode's description. But if you follow us on there, it's a great way to interact with me. It's a great way for us to get feedback on the show, as well as just hearing some more from you all about what you'd like to hear from us. So with that being said, I did ask a few weeks ago what you all would like to see more from on Magic in the Moon. And overwhelmingly, (laughs) um, you said you wanted to talk about deities, different pantheons, specific gods and goddesses, and we're going to do it. So we'll be doing a multi-part series on different pantheons, different gods and goddesses, how to work with them, how to work with them safely, and it's going to be really cool. So starting off a personal favorite of mine, this week we're going to launch our deity series with Hecate. And for those that don't know, Hecate is the Greek goddess of crossroads, magic, the moon, necromancy, and many other things. Hecate is a goddess in ancient Greek religion and mythology, and she's most often depicted holding torches or keys, and often takes on a triple form. She has been associated with crossroads, entranceways, nighttime, light, magic, witchcraft, knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants, ghosts, necromancy, and sorcery. Her earliest appearance in literature was in Hesiod's Theogony in the last part of the 8th century BCE as a titan goddess of great honor with domains in the sky, the earth, and the sea. Her place of origin is debated by some scholars, but she had popular followings amongst the witches of Thessaly and is an important sanctuary among the Carians of Asia Minor. Hecate was one of several deities worshipped in ancient Athens as a protector of the household alongside Zeus, Hestia, Hermes, and Apollo. In the post-Christian writings of the Chaldean oracles, she was also regarded with some rulership over earth, sea, and sky, as well as a more universal soul or savior called Satoidra. She's also known as the mother of angels and the soul of the world. Regarding the nature of her cult, it has been remarked that she is more at home on the fringes rather than in the center of Greek polytheism. Intrinsically ambivalent and polymorphous, she straddles conventional boundaries and eludes definition. So let's talk about her name. The actual name, Hecate, um, people pronounce it differently. Some people say Hecate, some people say Hecate, some people say Hecate. Um, but the correct, current, uh, excuse me, the correct pronunciation from Greek is Hecate. Um, and the origin of her name and the original country of her worship are not really known, but there have been a few different theories that have been proposed. So the Greek origin is one theory. So whether or not Hecate's worship originated in Greece, some scholars have suggested that the name derives from a Greek root and several potential source words have been identified. For example, the word meaning willing, thus she who works or she who wills may be related to her name. However, no sources suggested list will or willingness as a major attribute of Hecate which makes this kind of 
not the most likely option. Another Greek word suggests his origin of her name is ekatos, which is uh, an obscure epithet of Apollo, interpreted as the far-reaching one or the far darter. This has been suggested in comparison with the attributes of the goddess Artemis, who is strongly associated with Apollo, of course, and frequently equated with Hecate in the classical world. Supporters of this etymology suggest that Hecate was originally considered an aspect of Artemis prior to the latter's adoption into the Olympian pantheon. Artemis would have, at that point, become more strongly associated with purity and maidenhood on one hand, while her originally darker attributes and her association with magic and the souls of the dead would have continued to be worshipped under the title of Hecate. So though often considered the most likely Greek origin of the name, um, Ekatos, excuse me, is the most likely Greek origin of her name, but that theory does not account for her worship in Asia Minor, where her association with Artemis seems to have been a later development, and the competing theories that the attribution of darker aspects and magic to Hecate were not originally part of her cults. Another theory is that she is of an Egyptian origin. A possibility for a foreign origin of the name Hecate would have been Hat or Hecat, which was an Egyptian goddess of fertility and childbirth, who, like Hecate, was associated with magic. Another theory is that she is Anatolian in origin. Hecate possibly originated among the Carians of Anatolia, the region where most theophoric names invoking Hecate, such as Hecateus or Hecatomnus, the father of Mausolus, are attested, and while where Hecate remained a great goddess in historical times at her unrivaled cult site in Lagina. While many researchers favor the idea that she had Anatolian origins, it has been argued that Hecate must have been a Greek goddess. The monuments to Hecate in Phygria and Caria are numerous, but are dated later than you would expect. William Berg said, since children are not called after spooks, it is safe to assume that Carian theophoric names involving Hecate refer to a major deity free from dark and unsavory ties to the underworld and to witchcraft which is what Hecate became associated with in classical Athens. So in particular, there is some evidence that she might be derived from local sun goddesses based on some attributes. If Hecate's cult spread from Anatolia into Greece, it is possible it presented a conflict as her role was already filled with more prominent deities in the Greek pantheon, particularly by Artemis and Selene. This line of reasoning lies behind the widely accepted hypothesis that she was a foreign deity who was incorporated into the Greek pantheon. Other than in Hesiod's Theogony, the Greek sources do not offer a consistent story of her parentage or of her relations in the Greek pantheon. Sometimes she's said to be a titaness and a mighty helper and protector of humans, though. And in the early modern English language, the name was also pronounced dissyllabically as Hecate, and sometimes spelled H-E-C-A-T. It remained common practice in English to pronounce her name in two syllables, even when applied with a final E well into the 19th century. Hecate was generally represented as a three-formed or triple-bodied goddess, although the earliest known images of her are singular. Her earliest known representation is a small terracotta statue found in Athens. An inscription on the statue is dedication to Hecate in writing of the style of the 6th century, but it otherwise lacks any other symbols typically associated with her. She is seated on a throne with a chaplet around her head. The depiction is otherwise pretty generic. So, in the second century, travel writer Pausanias stated that Hecate was first depicted in triplicate by the sculptor Alcamenes of the Greek classical period of the late 5th century BCE, 
whose sculpture was placed before the temple of the wingless Nike in Athens. Though Alcamini's original statue was lost, hundreds of copies exist, and the general motif of a triple Hecate situated around a central pole or a column, known as a Hecateon, was used both at crossroads shrines as well as entrances to temples and private homes. These typically depict her holding a variety of items, which might be a dagger, a serpent, a key, a torch, and some of them include a votive sculpture from the third century. And depicts a woman dancing around a column. So it's possible that this representation of a triple hecate surrounding a central pillar was originally derived from poles set up at three-way crossroads with masks hung on them, facing in each direction. In the first century AD, Ovid wrote, look at Hecate, standing guard at the crossroads, one face looking in every direction. And apart from these traditional sculptures, her triplicity is depicted in the vast frieze of the great Pergamon altar, now in Berlin where she is shown with three bodies, taking part in a battle with the Titans. And while Greek anthropomorphic conventions of art generally represent Hecate's triple form as three separate bodies, the iconography of a triple Hecate eventually evolved into representations of the goddess with one single body, but with three faces. In Egyptian-inspired Greek esoteric writings connected with Hermes Trimestigus and in the Greek magical papyri of late antiquity, Hecate is described as having three heads, one of a dog, one of a serpent, and one of a horse. In other representations, her animal heads include those of a cow and sometimes a boar. There are several uh, sacred animals that are associated with Hecate. Dogs were commonly associated with her in the classical world. In art and in literature, Hecate is constantly represented as dog-shaped or is accompanied by a dog. Her approach was heralded by the howling of a dog. The dog was Hecate's regular sacrificed animal and was often eaten in sacrament to her. The sacrifice of dogs to Hecate is attested for in Thrace, Colophon, Athens, and Samothrace. A 4th century BCE marble relief from Cranon at Thessaly was dedicated by a horse race owner. It shows Hecate with a hound beside her, placing a wreath on the head of a mare. The polecat is also associated with Hecate. Antonius Liberalis used a myth to explain the situation. At Thebes, Poitos had a daughter, Galantheus. This maiden was a playmate and companion of Alcamini, a daughter of Electrion. As the birth throes for Heracles was pressing on Alcamini, the fates and the birth goddess as a favor to Hera kept Alcamini in continuous birth pains. They remained seated, each keeping their arms crossed. Galantheus, fearing that the pains of her labor would drive her mad, ran to the fates and the birth goddess and announced that by desire of Zeus, a boy had been born to Alcamini and that the prerogatives had been abolished. At all this, consternation, of course, overcame the fates and they immediately let go of their arms. Alcamini's pain ceased at once and Heracles was born. The fates were aggrieved at this and took away the womanly parts of Glynthius since being but a mortal, she had deceived the gods. They turned her into a deceitful weasel or polecat, begging her live in crannies and gave her a grotesque way of mating. She is mounted through the ears and gives birth by bringing forth her young through her throat. Hecate felt sorry for this transformation of her appearance and appointed her a sacred servant for herself. Alien told a different story of a woman being transformed into a polecat. I have heard that the polecat was once a human being. It was also reached by my hearing that Gale was once her name and that she was a dealer in spells and a sorceress, that she was extremely inconsonant and that she was afflicted with abnormal sexual desires. Nor has it escaped my notice that the anger of the goddess Hecate transformed it into this evil creature. May the goddess be gracious to me. 
fables in their telling, I leave to others. So from the association, from these legends, we can see either that Hera and the Fates transformed a woman into a polecat or a weasel, and that basically Hikate pitied her and made her a servant, or that Hikate was angry and she herself transformed a woman into a weasel. So in addition to animals, there are also several sacred plants associated with Hikatsu. She was closely associated with plant lore and the concoction of medicine and poison. In particular, she was thought to give instruction in these closely related arts. Apollonius of Rhodes in the Argonautica mentions that Medea was taught by Hikatsu. I have mentioned to you before a certain young girl whom Hikatsu, daughter of Perseus, is taught to work in drugs. The goddess is described as wearing oak and fragments of Sophocles' lost play, The Root Diggers, or The Root Cutters. As an ancient commentary on Apollonius' of Rhodes' Argonautica describes her as having a head surrounded by serpents twining through branches of oak. The yew, in particular, was sacred to Hecate. Greeks held the yew to be sacred to her. Her attendants draped wreaths of yew around the necks of black bulls, which then they would slaughter in her honor, and yew bows were brought burned on funeral pyres. The U was associated with the alphabet and the scientific name for U today, Taxus, was probably derived from the Greek word toxos, which is hauntingly similar to toxin, of course, which is also the word for bow and for poison. It is presumed that the latter were named after the tree because of its superiority for both bows and in the making of poison. Hecate was said to favor offerings of garlic, which was closely associated with her cult. She is also sometimes associated with Cyprus, a tree symbolic of death in the underworld and sacred to a number of Nothic deities. A number of other plants, often poisonous, medicinal, or psychoactive, are also associated with her. These include aconite, belladonna, dittany, and mandrake. It has been suggested that the use of dogs for digging up mandrake is further corroboration of the association of this plant with Hecate. Indeed, since as early as the first century CE, there are a number of attestations to apparently widespread practice of using dogs to dig up plants that are associated with magic. She has various functions and roles that have changed and evolved over time. And one of those roles is a goddess of boundaries. Hikatsu was associated with borders, city walls, doorways, crossroads, and by extension with realms outside or beyond the worlds of the living. She appears to have been particularly associated with being in between and is frequently characterized as being a liminal goddess. Hecate meditated between regimes, that of the Olympians and the Titans, but also between mortal and divine spheres. This liminal role is reflected in a number of her cult titles, Apotropia, that which turns away and protects, Enodia, on the way, Propelia, before the gate, and Trodio Triodictus, the one who frequents crossroads. As a goddess expected to avert harmful or destructive spirits in the house or city over which she stood guard, and to protect the individual as she or he passed through dangerous spaces, Hecate would naturally become known as a goddess who could also refuse to avert evil spirits or even drive them on against unfortunate individuals. It was probably her role as a guardian of entrances that led to Hecate's identification by the mid-fifth century with Anodia, a Thessalian goddess. Anodia's very name, meaning in the road, suggests that she watched over entrances, for it expressed both the possibility that she stood on the main road into a city, keeping an eye on all who entered and in the road in front of private houses, protecting their inhabitants. This function would appear to have some relationship with the iconographic association of Hecate holding keys 
and might also relate to her appearance with two torches, which when positioned on either side of a gate or a door, would illuminate the immediate area and allow different visitors to be identified. In Byzantium, small temples in her honor were placed close to the gates of the city. Hecate's importance to Byzantium was above all as a deity of protection. When Philip of Macedon was about to attack the city, according to the legend, Hecate alerted the townspeople with her torches and with her pack of dogs, which served as her companions. This suggests that Hecate's close association with dogs derived in part from the use of watchdogs, who particularly at night would raise an alarm when intruders approached, and watchdogs were commonly used by Greeks and Romans. Cult images and altars of Hecate and her triplicate form were placed at three-way crossroads, though they also appeared before private homes in front of city gates. In this form, she came to be identified with the Roman goddess Trivia, meaning of the three ways, and what appears to be a 7th century indication of the survival of cult practices of this sort. St. Iligus, in his sermo, warns of the sick among his recently converted flock in Flanders against putting devilish charms at springs or trees or crossroads. And according to St. Owen, who would urge them that no Christian should make or render any devotion to the deities of the three roads, which is likely Hecate. She is also considered to be a goddess of the underworld. Thanks to her association with boundaries and the liminal spaces between worlds, Hecate is also recognized as a Nothic goddess or underworld goddess. As a holder of the keys that can unlock the gates between realms, she can unlock the gates of death, as described in a third century BCE poem by Theocritus. In the first century CE, Virgil described the entrance to hell as Hecate's grove. Though he says that Hecate is equally powerful in heaven and hell, and the Greek magical papyri describes Hecate as the holder of the keys to Tartarus. Like Hermes, Hecate takes on the role of guardian, not just of roads, but of all journeys, including the journey into the afterlife. In art and myth, she is shown along with Hermes, guiding Persephone back from the underworld with her torches. By the fifth century BCE, Hecate had come to be strongly associated with ghosts, possibly due to conflation with the Thessalian goddess Enodia, meaning traveler who traveled the earth with a retinue of ghosts and was depicted on coinage wearing a leafy crown holding torches, which are, of course, are images strongly associated with Hecate. And, of course, probably Hecate's most known uh, association is that she is a goddess of witchcraft. By the first century CE, Hecate's nothic and nocturnal character had led to her transformation into a goddess heavily associated with witchcraft, witches, magic, and sorcery. In Lucan's Parsalia, the witch Erichtho invokes Hecate as Persephone, who is the third and lowest aspect of Hecate, the goddess we witches revere, and described her as a rotting goddess, with a pallid, decaying body who is to wear a mask when she visits the gods in heaven. Like Hecate, the dog is a creature of the threshold, the guardian of doors and portals, and so it is appropriately associated with the frontier between life and death, with ghosts which move across this frontier. The yawning gates of Hades were guarded by the monstrous watchdog Cerberus, whose function was to prevent the living from entering the underworld and the dead from leaving it. The worship of Hecate existed alongside many other deities, major public shrines, and temples in ancient Greece, and she also had a significant role as a household deity. Shrines to Hecate were often placed at doorways to homes, temples, and cities with the belief that it would protect the restless dead and other spirits. Home shrines often took the form of a small Hecateon, a shrine centered on a wood or stone carving of a triple Hecate facing in three directions on three sides of the pillar. Larger Hecateans often enclosed within a small wooden area 
sometimes placed at public crossroads near important sites. For example, there was one on the road leading to the Acropolis. Likewise, shrines to Hecate at three crossroads were created where food offerings were left at the new moon to protect from those who traveled from spirits and other evils. Dogs were sacred to Hecate and associated with roads, domestic spaces, purification, and the spirits of the dead. And dogs were also often sacrificed to Hecate at the crossroads. This can be compared to Pausanias' report that in the Ionian city of Colophon, Asia Minor, a sacrifice of a black female puppy was made to Hecate as the wayside goddess, and Plutarch's observation that in Boeotia, dogs were killed in purificatory rites. Dogs with puppies often mentioned were offered to Hecate at the crossroads. The earliest definitive record of Hecate's worship dates to the 6th century BCE in the form of a small terracotta statue of the seated goddess identified as Hecate in the description. Her cult became established in Athens around 430 BCE, and at this time, the sculptor, Alcamenes, made the earliest known triple-formed Hecate statue for use at her new temple. And while this sculpture did not survive to the present day, several copies still exist, and it has been speculated that this triple image, usually situated around a pole or a pillar, was derived from the early representations of a goddess using three masks hung on wooden poles placed at crossroads and gateways. She has several different epithets. I'll discuss a few of them here, but this is by no means all of them, but this is a few. She was known as Hecate Atrofeia, which means she that turns away and protects. Knophia, meaning of the earth or the underworld. Anodia, meaning on the way. Kleidokos, meaning holding the keys. Korotrophos, meaning nurse of children. Karkopoplos, meaning saffron cloaked. Phosphoros, meaning the bearer of light. Propolos, meaning she who serves and attends. Propylea, meaning she before the gates. Satoira, meaning savior. Timorphi, meaning three-formed. And Triodia, meaning the one who frequents the crossroads. Hecate has been characterized as a pre-Olympian Nothic goddess. And the first literature that mentions her is Hesiod's Theogony in 700 BCE, which says, and Asteria conceived and bore Hecate, whom Zeus, the son of Kronos, honored above all. He gave her splendid gifts to have a share of the earth and the unfruitful sea. She received honor also in starry heaven and is honored exceedingly by the deathless gods. For to this day, whenever any one of the men on earth offers rich sacrifices and prays for favor according to custom, he calls upon Hecate. Great honor comes from her easily to him whose prayer the goddess receives favorably and she bestows wealth upon him, but the power surely is with her. For as many as are born of earth and ocean, amongst all of thee, she has her due portion. Son of Kronos did her no wrong, nor took anything away of her portion that was among the former Titan gods. But she holds, as the division was at the first from the beginning, privilege both in the earth and in sea and in heaven. According to Hesiod, she held sway over many things. Whom she will, she greatly aids and advances. She sits by worshipful kings in judgment, and in the assembly whom she will is distinguished among the people. And when men arm themselves for battle that destroys men, then the goddess is at hand to give victory and grant glory readily to whom she will. Good is she also when men contend at the games, for there too the goddess is with them and profits them. And he who by might and strength gets the victory wins the prize easily with joy and brings glory to his parents. And she is good to stand by horsemen whom she will and to those whose business is in the gray, unknowable sea, 
who prayed to Hikatse in a loud crashing earth shaker. Easily, the glorious goddess gives a great catch, and easily she takes it away as soon as it is seen, if she so will. She is good in the byre with Hermes to increase the stock, the droves of kine and wide herds of goats and flocks of fleecy sheep, if she will. She increases from a few or makes many to be blessed. So then, albeit her mother's only child, she is honored amongst all the deathless gods. And the son of Kronos made her a nurse of the young, who after that day saw with their eyes the light of the all-seeing dawn. And so from the beginning, she's a nurse of the young, and these are her honors. So that's some background information on Hikatse, her origins, depictions of her, the things that she was associated with, as well as some sacred animals and plants to her. But continuing into more of a modern context before we close. She is a very popular figure in the modern pagan witchcraft movement. In 1929, Lewis Brown, an expert on religious cults, connected the 1920s Blackburn cults, also known as the cult of the Great Eleven with Akatse worship rituals. He noted that the cult regularly practiced dog sacrifice and secretly buried the body of one of its queens with the seven dogs. That's a more extreme uh, example, but in a more civilized context, as a goddess of witchcraft, Hecate has been incorporated in various systems of modern witchcrafts, Wicca, and neo-paganism. In some cases, she has become associated with the wild hunt of the Germanic tradition, and in others as part of reconstruction of Greek polytheism. In Wicca, Hecate has in some cases become associated with the crone aspect of the triple goddess concept, and some considered her to be the maiden mother and a crone simultaneously. So that's all I have for you this week. That is the first episode in our series on deity, and I hope you enjoy learning about Hecate. I will see you all next week.